This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right here on 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is your telephone number. I am so glad. I am so thankful to be reunited with my pals, Harvey Cruz, Jacob Perry. They are right here. They are live and in living color. They're producing the show, and we'll take it right up until 10 o'clock. Then we will turn the microphone. We will turn the airwaves over to Donald Lagrica. He will have the Rangers pregame show for you. Then Kenny Albert and Dave Maloney will be on the mic for the Rangers, the L.A. Kings. Game three of the Rangers' four-game West Coast trip, which will culminate tomorrow in Anaheim against Charlie Conway and the Mighty Ducks. See if you picked up that reference. At Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A, that is where you can get me on Twitter if you're so obliged. A lot of things to get to tonight. Jordan Renan, our buddy who covers the Giants for us here at ESPN, he'll join us coming up at 8 o'clock because Giants got a game in two days. Anthony Becht, former Jet, part of our broadcast team here on the Jets, will join us coming up at 9.30, talk a little bit about, oh, you know, stuff happening with the team. There are a couple things going on. And that is our jumping off point here, is it not? Because last night, and I apologize, you know, we're at the mercy of the schedules, unfortunately, but we were only able to give you a half an hour last night in the aftermath of what was, I would say, a pretty eventful game between the Jets and the Patriots, and then the fallout certainly from the head coach when he kind of left the door open that, hey, there might be a quarterback change. And we sit here and we twist in the wind and we wait for any sort of information. You know, we wait to see what color the smoke coming out of the chimney at one Jets drive is. You know, you might be able to get a better look when the sun comes up tomorrow, whether it's white smoke, whether it's black smoke. Black smoke means um, Zach Wilson's the quarterback. White smoke means it's going to be Mike White, literally, see? So we'll wait to see tomorrow morning what Robert Sala says, and Robert Sala's going to meet the media at around 11.30 tomorrow morning, and that's probably when you're going to find out, unless somebody gets the news beforehand as to who's going to be starting uh, against the Chicago Bears coming up on Sunday. And... Do I think that they've made up their mind as of 7.04 on Tuesday night? Yes, I do, 100%. I think they know who the quarterback is. I think they've already told who the quarterback is going to be. And now they're just using whatever type of gamesmanship opportunities they can because they want to make Matt Eberflus and his Chicago Bears staff prepare for three quarterbacks. Could be Zach, could be Mike White, could be Joe Flacco, could be anybody on Sunday. And that Bears defense certainly has had their struggles this season. And, you know, they even sold off some pieces at the trade deadline. So they're going to make them put in the extra work and really make them scratch their heads today on game plan day to possibly be on the lookout for a variety of quarterbacks, even though I think the Jets know which direction they want to go. Well, you know what? They made their decision, and now we make our decision because, as I said, we only had a few minutes to talk about all this last night. I don't think we necessarily uncovered every stone and explored this from every single possible angle. So we'll leave it up to you guys again. You've watched this team. It's been 10 games. Are they still in the mix? Absolutely. Can they still make the playoffs? No doubt. Did the quarterback on Sunday play as bad a football game at the quarterback position that we've seen from this team or really any team in a good long while? Absolutely. You know, At times on Sunday, it looked like a guy who you sit there and wondered, forget about where he was drafted, you just wondered how he was even drafted at all, to be quite honest with you, because he didn't look fit to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League, at least not during a regular season game. I mean, that looked like bad preseason stuff. 
It looked like a guy who was unsure of himself in the pocket, unsure of where to go with the football. When he had guys wide open, he was sailing the ball five yards over their head. I I mean, it's the NFL. You know, this isn't Pop Warner. This ain't your buddies. It's not even college. It's the NFL. It's the AFC East. You're on the road. Difficult environment. You got to step up your game. You know, there's talent on this team. This one like last year. You know, last year, Jets weren't very good. They were turning over a new program. You had a lot of guys on the team who you knew weren't going to be part of this thing long term. It was basically a bunch of placeholders. You know, signing guys off the street throughout the season when injuries would crop up. Just trying to fill spots. Just trying to be able to get 53 guys week in and week out. But this year's different. You got all this upgraded talent. You got all these young draft choices that are going out there and completely balling out and are playing at a Pro Bowl level. Defensively, forget about it. I mean, that defense right now, there are teams in the National Football League, right, who really have designs on playing top-notch football late into January. Like, I mean, I mean doing, like, special, special things. Like, for instance, the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Minnesota's defense is not very good, as we saw on Sunday. Minnesota would die to have the Jets' defense right now. Die. If Minnesota had the Jet defense, you might say that they would be one of the two or three favorites right now to win a Super Bowl. Regardless of what you might think about Kirk Cousins, and I'm no fan of his necessarily. That's how good that side of the ball is right now. So when you have one side of the football playing at at the level that that Jet defense is, don't you owe it to the rest of the team to make sure that you're holding up your end on the other side as well, starting with the quarterback and the offense? I mean, you didn't even allow the Patriots in the end zone on Sunday, and you walk off the field with a loss. And it wasn't even like five or six field goals. You give one field goal, and you lost the game. That's a tough pill to swallow. And you could have been in first place when you walked off that field. All the Jets needed were two field goals. Two field goals. And that was too tall of an ask. Couldn't even get two field goals. Head coach knows it. General manager knows it. I think the people in that building know it. You got a team that's good enough to be in the playoffs right now. This ain't a fluke. A fluke is when you win a few games in a row like what the Lions are doing right now. You know? That's fluky. You can tell the mark of a contender and a pretender if you watch football long enough. This team already through 10 weeks has shown you that they're good enough to be one of the top six or seven in the AFC and be playing football into January. And everybody in the organization knows that. And now the question you ask yourself is, which quarterback, regardless of where he was drafted, regardless of where he came from, regardless of what his contract says, which one is going to give the entire 53-man roster the best chance to be successful game in and game out? If you watch Sunday's game, you know that now that question is up in the air. And that's what this coaching staff and that's what this organization has spent the last 48 hours trying to figure out the answer to. Who and why? Now, I've gone back and forth with this over the last couple of days. Initially, initially, I kind of thought that they're going to run it back with Zach Wilson. And he's been put on notice. 
He's basically been told now, whether it was, I'm sure, directly, but now certainly through the media, that, you know what, the scholarship is over. All right? No more free passes. No more irresponsible play. No more ineffective play. You got to go out there and you got to produce. It is a bottom line business. It is a meritocracy. So I first thought, you know what? He's going to be the quarterback Sunday, and that leash is going to be extremely short. That if he struggles, and if this offense is not moving again against the Bears defense, which I don't know if you've watched much of them this year, let's just say they're not quite the 85 Bears. All right? This defense is extremely, extremely gettable. But now I woke up today, and the more and more I think about it, I think you're going to see a new quarterback. Just my gut. You know, maybe it was something I ate. I don't know. But that's what I feel in my gut right now. And it's either going to be one of two guys. either going to be Mike White or it's going to be Joe Flacco. And what I keep coming back to, and I haven't spoken to anybody over there today. Haven't. Okay? I was busy all day. Had to go get air in my tires, which was, I hate that. Because you have to use quarters. And they make you use six qu- – it's like a dollar fifty all in quarters. Like, who has that many quarters lying around? So then you got to go ask the guy at the gas station to break a dollar. And, and the guy is, like, so non-communicative. You would have thought I asked him for a million dollars or I was, like, holding up the place just to be able to break a dollar. So once you get that whole thing straightened out, then you got to put the things in. Then you got to take off all the caps on the tires. Then you got to go around and do this. It's, it's, that was my day. Anyway. Joe Flacco started the first three games. And we know what Joe Flacco is. He's a pro. He's seen it all. He's been at the height of football as a Super Bowl MVP. Has had a great career. Made more money than he could spend in 15 lifetimes. He also has thrown the most touchdown passes of any Jet quarterback, by the way, all season long. How about that? And he only played three games. Isn't that something? Zach Wilson's thrown four touchdown passes. This year, Joe Flacco threw four touchdown passes against the Cleveland Browns in that week two game, that miracle comeback. So you got Joe Flacco. And then you got Mike White. And Mike White wasn't even active for the first few games of the season. Well, when Zach Wilson came back, I should say. Wasn't even active. He was the third string quarterback. Then out of nowhere, Jets decided that Joe Flacco was going to be inactive. I believe it was the Patriot game, the first Patriot game at the Meadowlands. We were all surprised about that on October the 30th. And then Mike White was the backup. And you didn't know why. And then Robert Sala came out and said, yeah, we decided to make Mike White the number two, get him more reps in practice because we want to see a little bit more of what we have with this guy. And that if anything happens to Zach Wilson, that Mike White will be ready to go. All right, if you're going to base it off of that logic, apparently something has happened to Zach Wilson. And what happened is that his job is less than secure, and that's from the coach's mouth himself. We're not making this up. So if you want to put two and two together... Don't you think that all roads lead to Mike White being the guy? Right? I'm I'm just going by what I heard less than a month ago from Robert Sala. We know what Mike White did last year. Magical game against Cincinnati. By the way, that was the best passing game any Jet quarterback has had in the last two years in this Michael Floor offense. It was Mike White against the Cincinnati Bengals. And then he went to that Thursday night game in Indianapolis, and he got hurt early in that game in the first half. But he played okay before he got hurt. Then Josh Johnson came in that game, remember? And he sat there and threw the ball all over the yard. Josh Johnson, 
Josh Johnson, who's a journeyman, who's been on like 15 teams in his NFL career, he goes out there and throws for like three bills. We didn't see that on Sunday, though, right? So if Mike White could do it, if Josh Johnson could do it, why can't this guy do it? And he's had 20 games. I know Mike White then played against the Buffalo Bills. didn't work out all that well. We all saw that game. But that's where the gut is leaning right now. That's that, 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 that that's what it's kind of that's what it's kind of marinating. I think you're gonna see Mike White on Sunday. Just my own personal opinion. What say you? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll also get into a little bit of how we got to this point. Because I think a couple of things stand out more than others as to what made the organization suddenly question whether or not Zach Wilson's the right guy to lead this team certainly on Sunday and maybe for the rest of the season. As I said, Jordan Renan will preview Giants-Cowboys. And boy, you know what? If you got a couple of snaps in you, if maybe you're not eating your Thanksgiving dinner until later on at night when the family gets there, see if you can get down to Dallas because the Giants are looking for bodies. I mean, my God, they have – half the team is hurt. I mean, Brian Dayball can't meet the media any day would open his mouth without telling you about another 10 guys who were injured. It's incredible with this team. Incredible. So we'll talk to Jordan. Jordan might have to play on Thursday. We'll see. See if he's got a few snaps in him. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. A lot of people chiming in so far here uh, tweeting about the, um, the air in the tires situation. And normally a lot of these places like Wawa and, and so on have free air. Yeah, I know that. But the problem is, is that I was kind of pressed for time today. And I guess I could have went to a Wawa, which is a few towns over. But there's a place like literally kind of like right up the block from where I live. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, you got to pay the buck 50 and quarters to get the air. But from a matter of convenience, that's why I went and did that. But if I had my druthers, of course, I'd go for the free air. But you would think that like a lot of people would be lined up down the block to get the free air, right? Because... Who wants to pay for air? It is free. Not that it was my choice. Anyway, Jets, quarterback. What should be done? What needs to be done? This, to me, resonated more than anything. Aside from the play itself. You know, like the actions speak the loudest. But after the game, 
when Garrett Wilson kind of sounded off and voiced his frustration in the locker room, I think that caught the eye of a lot of people in the organization. Because Garrett, first of all, he's a great dude, great player, one of the nicest guys that you're ever going to meet. I mean, all things considered, you think the fact, you know, a lot of these, like, guys that come into the league, hotshot rookies, first-round picks, top ten, he comes from Ohio State, all that stuff, you would think he'd have the ego the size of it. Nonsense. He is the most down-to-earth, chill dude. He's tremendous. So for him to speak up, to where he reached that point of frustration after that game. And imagine, look, imagine being a wide receiver. You're out there for however many snaps they had on Sunday. And you're busting it full speed, trying to get open, maybe having to fight off press coverage, just doing what you're asked to do and what your assignment is on each and every given play. And then you're wide open, and then you turn around and you realize the ball ain't coming my way. And the ball ain't going to anybody. And no yards are being gained. Yeah, it's frustrating when you do that about 50, 60 times. So when Garrett Wilson spoke up after the game, I think that set off a few signals. That company headquarters, if you know what I mean. This is unacceptable and no one wants to feel like this, but that's not enough. You know, you got to do something about it. You know, hopefully this is a wake up for for some people in the, in the facility, you know, for us in the facility to get on our to get on our details. Uh, sorry, we out here looking sorry, man. We know that we're not sorry, so that's that's why it really really hurts. We know that we're better than that. That's why it hurts. That's why it's frustrating for me because we can beat, we can do more. And I, you know, I, honestly, I feel like they got to put some more trust in the receiver room. I feel like we can go up and make plays, do things, and I don't know if, if everyone feel that way, but hopefully, you know, by the time we get around next week, you know, everyone feel that way, and uh, we gotta have a week of practice. And then you had also Denzel Mims expressing his frustration during the game, which you can see publicly. Denzel, think about that. Denzel Mims, this is a guy who was like persona non grata, who couldn't get on the field earlier this season with a GPS. Right? The guy wasn't even dressing for games. To now it's reached the point to where Denzel Mims is unhappy about the way the offense is functioning. And this is a guy who you would think is just like happy to be out there that he's finally back in the good graces of the offense. But Garrett Wilson said, something's got to change. Something has got to change. Let's start it off, Michael, in Plainview. First up here, 98.7 ESPN. Mike, how are you? Mike, you there? So, I am. I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Mike. You hear me? Yep, gotcha. There we go. All right, so here, here's my thing. I am the number one pro advocate to say that Zach Wilson at this point is driving us all crazy. But here's my question. I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. If the Jets didn't lose the way they did, and if he didn't handle himself after the game the way he did, do you think we're having the same conversation that we've been having this week about him not playing? Because it was atrocious. There's no other way to put it. His play and the way he handled himself, nauseating. I've never felt that way about a Jets game in my life, and that says a lot. I don't know if we're having the same conversations that we're having if we lost by a field goal or a touchdown in overtime and if he came out like he should have and took ownership of what happened. If it's me, I'm playing him to start the game, and if he doesn't show us that he's putting in everything he has to put in to prepare for Sunday, you pull him out at halftime and we move on from that point. He's on notice. Uh, But, again, if those two things didn't happen, I don't know what type of conversation we're having. I'm curious to hear what you think. Michael, appreciate the call. Here's what I'll say, and I don't know if you heard me a couple of minutes ago when I was on with the K show at the end. What happened after the game 
with the media, that's like window dressing right now. That's the cherry on top. You still got an ice cream sundae, and the ice cream sundae was the performance, right? Because bottom line is, if he goes out there and plays competent football on Sunday, they don't care what the hell he says to the media afterwards. Really, they, they, they could care less. You know, it's only become an issue of how he's conducted himself and accountability and all these other things because he's not producing during the game. That's what they drafted this guy for. Not to say that he's a horrible human being. I'm not saying that. But the performance is what speaks the loudest. So if they go out there and the offense actually looks somewhat functional, right? And, and I'm not saying they have to win the game. But if the offense, hey, you know what? If the offense moved the ball up and down the field even to where, the way the New England Patriots did. Patriots moved the ball, you know, between the 20s pretty well. I mean, Mac Jones threw for 250 yards, right? They ran the ball, I think, halfway decent. So the Patriots churned out yardage, but when they got to near the red zone, that's when things kind of stiffened from that Jet defense. If the Jets even did that on offense and still couldn't even manufacture points, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We wouldn't be. But the fact you did nothing, guys, think about that for a second. The second half of this game on Sunday, they had two net yards of offense, two, not 20, not 200, two. Like, you couldn't do that if you tried. Like, if gamblers, like, got inside the locker room and, like, threw a million dollars at each guy to throw the game, you still would not be that inept if you were getting paid to throw the game two net yards. So the bottom line is, you know, whatever he said afterwards – that's just piling on to the fact that he didn't play well. Ira's in Staten Island. He's next here on 98.7. Ira, how are you? Hey, what's happening? Good evening, Dan. Hey, I... Boy, I, I could not agree with you more uh, on, on your gut feeling because I felt that way since Sunday night. And, you know, it's funny. I, I'm listening to your show, and I, I got the game on without sound. And you mentioned the Garrett Wilson. And what, about seven minutes ago, um, I think it was yeah, in the third quarter, when he missed Wilson on that open slant, Wilson had a tirade on the field. And the offense just didn't function. And listen, do I know what Mike is, Mike White is? I don't. I mean, I think he could go out, and I think this offense could function better with, with, with LaFleur's play calling and in the playbook. Like, he, he just missed a pass to Mims. He, he, Wilson cannot operate a short passing game. He couldn't do it last year. He couldn't do it this year. You mentioned Josh Johnson. You mentioned Flacco. You mentioned White before he got hurt in the Indianapolis game. They all operated this offense efficiently. Okay, they went much better roster. I think White's going to start. I think he's going to play well against the Bears, and they think they're going to ride it until they have to make a decision. And I'll tell you the truth, I think they've made a decision going forward. And I'm going to leave you. You know exactly where I'm going with that. I'm not going to open a, get into that. But I think right now, Mike White's going to settle this down. I think he's going to beat the Bears. I think they're going to play a good game. And I guess what? We'll see where it takes us. You know, it's unfortunate it got to this point. But the, the, the thing here that you know the organization, they knew they built a roster. Nobody ever dreamt that they would be 6-3 and three headed up to New England playing for first place. So the stakes got higher and the quarterback's holding you back. They have to do something now 
because something spirals out of control. Because I do believe the organization, they have the book on Zach Wilson. To what you just said, more than anything else, they went up to New England with a chance to win and be in first place on Thanksgiving Day. And I think when you come from a point where this organization has been at for the last decade, to where, remember, the last, what, five, six years in the NFL, the Jets and the Giants have lost the most games in the NFL, total, like during that time period. All right, it's been a lot of lean years. There really has not been that much success and that much prosperity. So when you start to experience it, and by all accounts, they're ahead of schedule. 2023 was the year that they pegged as an organization when they put this plan into place that that was going to be the year where everything comes together and they would be quote-unquote contenders. Well, it's happening in 2022 because they stumbled upon the fact that this defense has grown leaps and bounds from last year, and it is a championship-caliber defense. Robert Sala said it after the game the other day. Defense play championship caliber. That's how, That defensive line might be the best in football. Might be the best in football. That's how good they are. And when all you had to do on Sunday, see, look, both Patriot games were winnable in hindsight. We know that. But the first one, quarterback made some mistakes, threw the ball away. You had the bad roughing the passer penalty, maybe changed the trajectory a little bit of the game. Fine. This one, it was gettable. But you couldn't even score six points. If you kicked another field goal, you're winning the game 6-3. Not that that is the goal when you step out onto the field each and every time, but that's all it would have taken. 6-3 to would have gotten it done. And you couldn't make it happen. And they know that. And it's unacceptable. This isn't the rebuilding Jets anymore. You were a 6-3 football team who was three points away from being in first place and not a fluke, I might add. Not a fluke. A legit first place. In arguably the toughest division in the NFL. And you've gotten, at best, average quarterback play throughout the season. Average. And Sunday, forget about average. I mean, you couldn't even say that that was below average. Sunday, that was below professional level. And I don't think they want to stand for it any longer. Would you? You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Dan Gross' show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow, we kind of have a full show. We go till 9.30 right into Rangers hockey. That'll be the end of the Rangers West Coast trip tomorrow. So we'll be with you till 9.30 tomorrow. And then Friday, while you're letting all that trip to fan wear off and, you know, maybe going out shopping and doing your thing, you know, to get to take advantage of those sales, we're going to be holding down the K-Show for you on Friday afternoon from 3 to 7. So recap the Giant game on Thanksgiving Day. Look ahead to... The Jets, of course, on Sunday, and whoever the quarterback is going to be and all the other NFL action, plus you got the big USA-England soccer match on Friday afternoon. So, busy couple of days. We'll take Thursday off to recharge. We'll be back with you on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Let's go back to the phones. Let's say hi to Mark in Rockville up next, 98.7. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? Well, good, Mark. Things are great. What's going on? Yeah, so this guy, for me, um, this Jets team is 
reminiscent of the Jets team uh, during um, the Revis, the Derevis uh, era, where they had a great defense, but their offense wasn't that great. And they were like, you know, two quarters away from making it to be a uh, football. And for me, I'm thinking that, you know what, you keep Zach Wilson, you see what you got. But definitely next year, you know, you're looking to what veteran um, quarterback will, will be available because, you know, in football, you know, you're just good for a moment. After that, you know, free agency hits, people get hurt, people go um, elsewhere. And I think that the Jets need to just play the hands that they have. But you know what, come next year, see what veteran quarterback is available so that way they can probably make the offense a bit much more better than what they have now. Here's what I thought was going to happen, Mark, and I thank you for the phone call. What I had said before the season, in regards to next year, they believe in this roster, okay? And this year was originally supposed to be finding out what you have with the quarterback. To me, that was going to be almost more important than winning games. Is this guy it or is he not it? Well, a funny thing happened along the way. We still don't know if he's it or not it, but the team is winning games. And you didn't think that those two would ever go hand in hand. But I guess that they're exclusive of one another, that you can win games and you still don't know what you have in your quarterback. So my point being, this roster is still going to be really good next year, right? Look at who they got coming back. Brees Hall's going to be back. AVT's going to be back. You hope Mekhi Becton is going to be back, among others. You know, they don't have any free agents where you look at it and say, oh, that's going to cripple the team if that guy leaves. Not not really. Joe Douglas has done a hell of a job building up this roster. A hell of a job. My point being, if you still had questions about the quarterback for 2023, they weren't going to use a premium draft choice, and they're not going to use a premium draft choice on another quarterback for next season. Why? Because the roster is going to be good enough to win. And they don't want to have to babysit another young quarterback and have to live through the growing pains of a young quarterback while you have a roster that could go out there and win you football games. So what I thought was going to happen is if you still had the quarterback questions, you'd bring in a veteran quarterback to compete probably with your young QB. And may the best man win, but make it a fair competition. Not one of these like quarterback duels that it's so slanted towards one side that it really isn't a fair competition a legitimate quarterback battle if Zach hasn't sold you over the first two years you bring in a veteran and may the best man win the job because you got a team that's good enough to win and you don't want the quarterback position to be something that's holding it back that's what my gut told me before the year and you know what the way it's kind of playing itself out barring a miracle over the last six seven weeks that might be the course of action Artie in Long Island up next. Art, how are you? Art, you there? Art, they're going once. Going twice. It's unfortunate. Jay's in Newark up next. Jay, how are you? Good, man. How are you tonight? What's up, Jay? Talk to me. What's going on? Nothing but just, you know, like the rest of Jets Nation, man, extremely frustrated because we see the dilemma. And I think you hit a lot of those points with the last comments you made. You got to win now championship-level defense. You got some good, young talent in the skill positions, and you have no one who could throw the ball at these guys. And I think with Brees Hall getting hurt, I think it kind of took a little bit of the lipstick off of the pig because we see what we have at quarterback. 
now that we don't have a, a dominant running back that could run the ball and kind of erase some of his errors. I was wondering, and, and you kind of intimated maybe getting a, a veteran quarterback, and I know his name came up with the Giants with a lot of the debates on sports radio. I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo looks like next year and where he is right now with the 49ers, but I would not be upset. Like, I, I could I almost lit my chops thinking of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing that Garrett Wilson and, and being on our team right now with that defense. We'd probably be a lot better off. Or if not Jimmy, then who else you think is out there if we want to bring a veteran in? It's the worst-kept secret in the world, right, Jay? Like talking about Jimmy Garoppolo with a fit for this team? Because let's be honest, what kind of offense do the Jets run with the system? It's the yeah. it's it's the LaFleur, Shanahan, 49ers, West Coast offense. It's the same stuff right. they all grew up with. You know, there's, vari- there's the variation of that, of course, in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur. And Jimmy Garoppolo has operated that offense for the last few years. He knows it inside and out. Now, funny thing is, the Niners tried to get rid of him in the offseason almost for nothing, but then Trey Lance got hurt, and they needed Jimmy, and thank God they have him because right now, if you ask me, I think the Niners are the team to beat in the NFC when push comes to shove. But remember they reworked his contract in the summertime. Among that reworking in the contract, two things. Number one, he's a free agent at the end of the year, and two – He's not allowed to be franchise tagged by the 49ers. So he will be a free agent when this season is over. And if he has another successful run in the playoffs with this Niner team, which I think he's going to, there are going to be a lot of bidders for his for his services. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be the Jets. So if you do want to go sign a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, it is going to cost you, which means salary cap space and all those other things because he's making himself a lot of money. And I will say this, Jay, and to everybody else, Talking to guys in the league who've played with Jimmy Garoppolo on offense, they cannot stop saying enough good things about him. They respect the hell out of the guy. They say he commands the huddle. They say he's a leader. They say he puts the blame on his shoulders. And they think he learned all that stuff, believe it or not, from playing under Tom Brady for all those seasons at the beginning of his career in New England. They can't say enough good things about Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you're asking me if if they need a new quarterback, would that be a direction to look at? I sure as hell don't see why not. You know, and I'll let you go with just two points. One, he won me over what you said to be almost unwanted and then handle it that way and come out and be that type of professional says a lot about him. And I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, I think Geno's a free agent as well. Geno Smith, maybe a second coming of that (laughs) I mean, maybe the sequel will be better than the first part. I don't know, but he looks good up in Seattle as well. I, as always, I appreciate you taking the call, Dan. Thank Jay, you. you be good, my friend. I I don't I don't think the Geno reunion is in the cards. I, I I just you know been there, done that. You know, I think they'll probably look to go in a different direction. Now, look in a perfect world, Jets hope that Zach Wilson goes out there and plays phenomenal football over the last six seven weeks of the season. But is there a strong likelihood of that happening? You know, you know, to erase any doubt whatsoever? Don't know. Don't even know if he's going to get the opportunity coming up on Sunday because, you know, you heard the head coach after the game. Marty Lyons in, in the post-game press conference on Sunday, Marty asked him first question, you know, what did you think of the offense in the second half? And he said, dog blank. You know, didn't mince words. And how could he go up there and try to spin it any other way? We all watched the game. We all saw the same thing. 
And you got to answer to the other 52 guys in that locker room. Instead of running out the same cast of characters to the same results. It's like beating your head up against the wall. Why do you keep doing it? Change something. I mean, it's the National Football League. You can't go out there and have two yards of offense in the second half. That's just, I mean, improbable. Two? What do you mean two? It's still hard to believe. All these days later. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Say hi to Andrew in Queens. He's up next year on 98.7. What's up, Andrew? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, so I kind of wanted to just peel back the onion and talk big picture with Zach Wilson. So, obviously, no excusing. He was god-awful on Sunday, and he's got to take accountability. But I feel like we need to look at the big picture of the schedule he's been through. I mean, he went at Steelers, played pretty well. The Dolphins game was a blowout. Then he plays the Pats, the number one pass defense, twice. And those are two bad games. But he went at Lambeau, at Broncos, and played the Bills, where after the Bills game, we were all saying, hey, game manager, what a great job he wanted. I think we got to give him a chance to see what he can do against bad defenses. you got the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, the Jags on the schedule. I don't think Mike White's the answer. Jets love backup quarterbacks, um, and I know our fans do too, but we got to see what we have in Wilson, and if he's not it, then you go get the Jimmy G or someone like that in the offseason. But I feel like you got to give him a chance against bad defenses. If, if you bench someone after the Pats uh, and Bill Belichick do bad against you, then a lot of quarterbacks out there would be benched, including Tua, Josh Allen, and so on. So, um, curious what, what you think about that one. Yeah, it, it, it's possible. I mean, Andrew, and I, I hear what you're saying. Thanks for the phone call. But, right? And if you want to look at it glass half full, which sounds like what you're trying to do. First Patriot game was horrible. Sky was falling. We came on here the next night. You know, we got into it pretty good because he didn't play a good football game. Then he comes back the next week against the top defense in football in the Buffalo Bills, and he plays a good game. They win, right? Protects the football, all those things. You sit on that for two weeks going into the bye week, and you're like, all right, figured stuff out. We could go forward. And then you have this game against the Patriots, and it's just like, I don't know, you almost would have felt, let's also remember something. Like, there probably should have been at least a couple of interceptions either. You know, Devin McCourty dropped one, which was gift-wrapped to him. And Devin McCourty never does that. Especially not against the Jets. He had two of them in the first matchup at MetLife Stadium. So, could have been even worse. Unfortunately, though, if you take a guy this high in the draft, second overall, you're not taking a game manager second overall. And you can say, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and let's see how he does against bad defenses. But you know what? Isn't the goal ultimately to win? To win the whole thing? To go deep into the playoffs? The further you go in the playoffs, you're going to be playing good teams, not bad teams. And you want to know if you got the guy who's going to be able to navigate you against those good clubs. You know, let's remember something, too. If you even want to go back to the Denver game, before before the Patriot debacle the first time around. Denver game, he played a little reckless that day, too. Now, he didn't have any turnovers to show for it, but how many balls did he just throw up for grabs that day? Remember the one when he was, like, going to the ground and he, like, just tossed it left-handed to, like, absolutely nowhere? And that was the one that I think the Jets got a break where it should have been ruled a fumble. And that would have been a major turnover sequence in that game, in a game that points were hard to come by. So, to me, he dodged a bullet that day in Denver. Let's say hi to Veronica in the Bronx up next. Veronica, how are you? 
Hi, Dan. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. What's going happy on? Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Same to you. Now, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. With um, Salah's decision to state that, you know, the quarterback position is open, it's, there's no guarantee for Zach, there's no guarantee for anyone, I think that was needed because I think Zach definitely needs to be humbled a little bit. I mean, he's just walking around way too confidently on the sidelines that game on Sunday. He looked like there was nothing wrong with him, like nothing. He was untouchable. No one could do anything to him. He was going to keep his disposition. And even if they do start him on Sunday, at least the thought of, wait, you know what? I may lose this, this spot. I need to work harder, and I really need to do what I have to do to win more ball games. And, and thank you for, for your time. Veronica, thanks for the phone call. Here's the bottom line. At the very least, I think this puts him on notice to where – it's not your job only because you're the second pick in the draft. It's going to be your job only if you go out there and play like it should be your job. But you're not going to keep the job just because of where you were drafted. And I don't know if he necessarily had been told that before. And certainly it was never articulated that way through the media until yesterday. That's why that sends shockwaves. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.